0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmitchofjesus.org. Well, it's good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bibles or your device, and you can go to John chapter 6. Or if you don't have a Bible, you can use one of the pew Bibles there next to you, and you can go to page 947. And today we begin a new series and on the teachings of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at a really refined set of the teachings of Jesus, and really some of the more strange, uh, peculiar, difficult, and maybe sometimes even harsh-sounding teachings of Jesus. And So over the next few weeks, we're going to examine what has been called some of the hard sayings of Jesus, to peel them back and to examine them and see what it means for those of us who want to follow Christ and maybe are interested in Christianity. Because what often happens, especially in the Bible Belt and really almost anywhere where people are somewhat familiar with Jesus, is people will say about him, hey, I think he's a good teacher. Um, You know, I think that's kind of what he came to do. But if you listen to the teachings of Jesus, if you really examine them and, and see what Jesus is telling us, you'll see that Jesus doesn't want us to think that he is just a good teacher. That's why I love what C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity. is a landmark book. He says this and why he wrote the book and how this ties in with the hard sayings of Jesus. Lewis says, I'm trying in this book to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus intends through his teachings for us to see more about him and to have higher thoughts of him. So what we must do today and throughout these hard teachings is what Jesus is aiming for is to kill our small thoughts of him and to see who he really is. And in these hard sayings, there's a hefty dose of gospel goodness. So as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word and we'll begin in verse 47. John 6, 47. And Jesus says to us, truly, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. At that, the Jews argued among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink, The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate, and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning, those who do not believe and the one who would betray him, he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. And from that moment, Many of his disciples turned back, no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us. Would the words of your son, of King Jesus today, bring spirit and, and life into our bones? Would, would we feast on Christ and his words right now, today? And Lord, you know those here who, who don't believe. Would you call them, call them to come and believe Today. Help us, King Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the older I get, the less of a picky eater I'm becoming. I've, I've grown out of the chicken fingers only phase at restaurants now. But I'm still not going to eat pickles at Chick-fil-A. I'm still not going to eat broccoli, no matter how many times my kids eat it. But I will try new things. This is the less pickiness about me. And when I was at a church planning conference recently in St. Louis, and one of my other Acts 29 brothers, he wanted to take me to this barbecue place, this hole-in-the-wall place in St. Louis that he loved growing up. And he said, we're going to go. You're going to love it. I'm going to get you a pig snout sandwich. You know, I don't even know what to say about it. But because I love my friend, I went along and I took a bite, and that was it. <laughs> the texture, the knowledge <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. Pix now was a little too much for me. It was too far. What we just read is coming off of the heels of Jesus feeding 15 to 20,000 people with a few pieces of bread. And they're looking for more miracles. They're looking for more sights and and they want more oohs and ahs from Jesus. So Jesus delivers. He gives them some shock and awe, but he goes too far for them. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Did you see the force of the heart saying, I mean, Jesus tells the crowd in verse 47 and 48, he tells them about bread, but he tells them the difference between the bread that their ancestors ate in the wilderness in Exodus, that they ate it and they died. He's saying to them, to this crowd, wouldn't you rather have some bread that you could eat and never die? Suddenly, he's telling this crowd, I know I fed you yesterday and you're following me because you want more, because you're hungry again, aren't you? So why don't I give you something to where you'll never be hungry again? How about we raise it up a notch? We go another tier here. Look at verse 51. So Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus says, you want to live forever? You want to not be hungry again. You want immortality. You want eternal life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. And look at what Jesus says next. The end of 51. And the bread that I will give. Okay, what are you going to give us, Jesus? What is it? For the life of the world is my flesh, my body. Look at verse 52. The crowd hears this. At that, the Jews argued among themselves. So you see the picture. Jesus speaks, the crowd pulls back, and the crowd begins to argue with one another. What is he saying? Verse 52, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You want us to eat your skin, your muscle tissue? They aren't understanding Jesus. Or are they? Jesus hears their questions and their complaints And Jesus, instead of dialing it back, going, hold on, let me explain this. He revs it up. He adds more gluten to what he says. Verse 53. So Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, I am not lying. I am not kidding. I am telling you reality. Unless you eat the flesh, the body of the son of man and drink his blood. You do not have life in yourselves. Unless you chew on my skin and chug my blood, you do not have life. I hope you're not squeamish. This is graphic, this is vivid. Okay, he, he keeps going, he keeps piling on. Verse 54 the one who eats my flesh. So who's the Son of Man? He's saying, like, Me. Eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus is saying, hey, look, you gotta gotta eat my skin. You've gotta drink my blood and guess what? And I will raise you up on the last day. Jesus is saying some wild things here already. Not only is he calling them to devour him, he says, and I promise I will raise you at judgment day. You gotta kind of admit a little bit, this sounds a little confusing. If you take this literally, eat my flesh, drink my blood, it's cannibalism, which is a sin. And of course, that's crazy. That's not what Jesus is advocating for a literal eating. But then look what Jesus says. Look at verse 55. Because my flesh is true food. Oh, not fake food. Not kind of no. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Jesus keeps revving it and cranking his analogy even more. And to eat someone's muscle muscle tissue, to drink their blood, it must mean they are dead. To have flesh and blood available to eat, it must mean that they are ceased. But then Jesus says, and I will raise you up on the last day. So you're going to eat of my flesh and blood and then I will raise you up. So he's not dead. He's still active. He's still alive. is saying, I'm going to raise my dinner, my dinner guest from the dead. This is a hard saying. In fact, the crowd even admits it. This is this is hard to under hard to receive. Look at verse 60. Therefore when many of the disciples heard this, now in, in the gospels there's There's the disciples, and then there's the disciples. The disciples are following Jesus as like a big crowd. This is how John is using that word. And then there's the disciples, the 12, those who truly already believe in Jesus. So don't get confused that this disciples means, oh my goodness, these are people who really believe. No, this is the crowd. So when the disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. This is a hard saying. Who can accept it? And the word hard here, it means not like, oh, man, that's kind of hard to understand. It's like, you know, uh, advanced mathematics. It's not that. The word means harsh. This is unpleasant to hear. I'm not going to leave a good Yelp review on this one. This is uncomfortable, like a hard chair unpleasant. It's hurting my tailbone. Tough to hear, uncomfortable. It's like a Houston parking lot in July after a short rain not pleasant. And there's really two things happening here in what Jesus is saying. It's what's making it hard to their sensibilities. It's a phrase that I heard all the time growing up, and I'm sure you heard it too, and I'm sure your parents used it with you, and if you parent, you've probably used it too. It's not what you said, but what? How you said it, how you said it. And But what's happening here with Jesus, it's not just what he said, It's not just how he said it, it's what he said and it's how he said it. It's both of them. So let's really think about how he packaged this this message. Jesus uses the striking phrase, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That is meant to rattle you. That's meant to make you sit up a little bit and go, what? Eat your flesh and drink your blood? What do you mean? And this is a wild phrase, especially to Jews who were by law never to drink the blood of any animal or to never drink blood. And so here's a Jewish man telling a Jewish crowd, you need to drink my blood. Chug it. It's very startling. This is why the crowd says, this is thorny. This is prickly. This is uncomfortable. So what does Jesus do? He he doesn't back down and pedal back and go, oh boy, I'm sorry. I realize where I led you guys. Uh, I laid it on too thick, too much peanut butter, not enough jelly, my bad. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He revs the engine again. Look at verse 61. So they say, this teaching's hard. Who can accept it? 61, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asks them, does this offend you? You're offended at this? Look at, the, look at the next follow-up question. Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? You find it uncomfortable me telling you to eat my flesh and drink my blood? What are you going to think when you see me fly back to heaven? See what Jesus is doing? He's really striking at the heart, the center of their mind and thoughts in view of Jesus. You're offended at what I'm teaching. I'm about to fly back up to heaven. Who do you think I am? This is what Jesus is getting at. What do you think of me? If you realize I'm flying into heaven, that I'm going to die for you, that I'm going to rise for you, that I'm going to fly back to the Father, you would not be offended at this. So Jesus is striking at the center of our thoughts, of him. Who do we think Jesus is? What do we want from Jesus? The crowd wants more food. Jesus says, I I have something better for you. What do you want from Jesus? What do we need from Jesus? He wants us to come to the realization of faith, what we believe about him. And I know this is the case because we can see it. If you look at verse 64, Jesus says, But there are some among you who don't believe. He knows. There are many of you here who don't believe in me. You don't believe in how I said it, which is what we've just seen, and you don't believe in what I said. So what did he say? We saw the how, eat my flesh, drink my blood, but what did he say? He said, believe in me. Believe in me totally. And believe in me only. And if you go back to the very beginning of the section, you can see this is what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 47, where it all began. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. This is, this phrase, anyone who believes has eternal life. This is the thread for the entire passage. This is it. The eating and drinking is grounded here. These three words, believe, and eternal life. Those, those three words, those two concepts, this is what Jesus is communicating to us. And it all starts with, he reminds the crowd of their family tree. Verse 49, your ancestors ate the bread, the manna, and the wilderness, and they died. So you really need to have a flow chart in your mind here of these two categories, belief and eternal life. So Jesus begins 47, belief, you believe, you get eternal life. He talks about the ancestors, they ate, and they died. So you can see the parallels Jesus is drawing. Now he says in verse 49, verse 50, the bread that comes down from heaven, that anyone may eat and not die. If anyone eats, verse 51, eats this bread, you will live forever. So what is the, what, the eating and drinking, flesh and blood, they, Jesus is using a powerful physical metaphor for us for belief. You can go through this passage. I did it. I, took, I, had, I have a green pen and I have a purple pen. And I went through anytime Jesus talks about belief and eating, you can underline it and see all the connections. And then anytime he talks about eternal life, not dying, living forever, you can see all the parallels. Look at, look at 53. Eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Drink his blood. That is the equal, the correlation with belief. You do not have life in yourselves. Verse four: the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. That fits perfectly with 47. Anyone who believes has eternal life. So to believe is to eat and drink. And then you live forever. Eternal life. Jesus is saying, I am the bread. So eat and believe and live forever. Eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will live forever. But why structure it this way? Why the hard saying? Why say, eat my flesh and drink my blood? When the crowd is already objecting to it, why lay it on even more thick? Because belief in Jesus is always bizarre to the world. The cross is always a stumbling block and a rock of offense. To believe in Jesus is one of the craziest things anyone could do in the world. To believe that a man was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, lived a sinless life, and died on a Roman torture device for the sins of others, and that he rose again from the dead, and that by believing in him, that he did that for our sins, we will have eternal life. This is meant to sound just as odd as saying, eat my skin and drink my blood type. Because this is how bizarre Christianity is and that it takes real faith. And what Jesus is doing, you see in verse 54, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus is using physical realities to explain spiritual realities to us. He does this all the time. Just like you were born, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. When he's with the woman at the well in John chapter four, he says, you know what? You should be asking me for something to drink. And she says, but you don't even have anything to draw water up with. He says, no, but I have living water. That if you drink of this, you'll never thirst again. Jesus says, look at the flowers of the field. They do nothing and they're taken care of. So how much more does your heavenly Father care for you? Jesus is constantly telling us, look at the physical realities and learn the spiritual ones. And these aren't coincidences. God has hardwired the universe to teach us this. So now Jesus grabs the act of eating and drinking and the sustenance and the life that we get from that, from filling our stomachs, and Jesus x-rays it for us, shows us what faith looks like. Believe and you will live. Eat and drink of me. And you will live. But we've got to see how specific. Remember how specific it is. Eat and drink my flesh and blood. So it was kind of okay, allowed when he said, I'm the bread of life. Bel- eat and believe in me and you'll live forever. Everyone would be like, okay, yeah, great. Now they're offended when he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Why? Why phrase it that way? Because Jesus is giving us another angle to really understand the beauty of the gospel. What it's all about, what Christianity is all about. The Bible Belt has messed up Christianity so much; it's wild. We're all we're often, many of us, we're all confused. Okay, what is what is the real heart of the Christian message? What what is the Christian church really all about? What is Christianity all about? This is what Christianity is all about: eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus. It, eat means believe. Flesh and blood means his bloody death on the cross for us. Jesus giving up his body. Jesus pouring out his blood for us on the cross. Jesus is saying, believe you need my body and blood so you can have eternal life. Bottom line, this is the heart of Christianity. Believe you need my body and blood and you will have eternal life. Why is that hard? Why is that offensive? Why does the crowd perceive that? Why does our world perceive that to be offensive? Because we're saying you can't save yourself. Jesus is saying, only I can save you. Trust in Jesus alone. Is this bizarre to the world? Just as bizarre as someone saying, eat my skin and drink my blood. Jesus is saying, stop trusting in yourself. Stop thinking you can save yourself. Stop thinking all religions are equal. Stop thinking I am one of many ways. See that I am the only way. Stop eating out of the dumpster of self-salvation and eat my flesh and blood. Believe that I offered up myself for your sins. Jesus is saying and demanding That we believe in his death for our sins, in our place, paying for them so we can have eternal life. Beloved, to eat his flesh and blood is to believe I need his flesh and blood. This is the testimony of every Christian. To eat his flesh and blood is to believe I need his flesh and blood. Is that what you believe? This is what Christians believe. We don't believe we're good people. We don't believe that God saves us and we add some good works to the end and then God's going to bring us alongside. Christianity is to believe no, I need the body and blood of Jesus alone. That this is my true food. This is my true drink. That my flesh and blood can't save me. My works, my morality, my trying to be a good person at the end of my life. No one else can save me. Only his flesh and blood can save me. That he's the only way to salvation. And him totally. The phrase flesh and blood also means the total person. The total Christ. Jesus is saying, receive all of me. Don't just view me as some good teacher. I didn't come for that. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. And I will raise you up on the last day. Jesus is striking at the heart of the problem in the crowd. And he's striking at the heart of the problem in the Bible Belt. And our culture. The crowd was comfortable with Jesus giving them stuff. Feed us, do some miracles, do something cool. Jesus says, Okay, I'll do something really cool. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus knows a lot of these people are cool with him because he's trendy. Jesus is the hot commodity in the Holy Land at this time. But Jesus isn't satisfied with being trendy, being convenient to you. Jesus is not satisfied with being some cultural allowance to your weekend. He demands allegiance. That's why he says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. You really believe in me? You really want to roll with me? Eat my skin. Drink my blood. Believe that you need my body and blood for eternal life alone. And this isn't a one time thing either. Look at verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me. Continual, present tense, continual feeding, not just a one-time thing. Oh, okay, I believe that I need Jesus' body and blood once and I'm good. No, Jesus says, you feed on me. I am your sustenance. I am your true food. I am your true drink. I am everything that you need for all of life. This means we don't move on. We don't move on from Christ. We don't graduate away from Christ. We always need a full course meal of Christ alone. To feed on Christ means that today, right now, this moment, he is my hope. That right now in this moment, in the sins that you committed this past week and the sins that you're gonna commit this week and the whole temptation of wondering, am I really saved? Does God really love me? Am I really gonna make it to eternity? I don't know. To feed on Christ means to sit back and go, I believe in his body and blood for me and I have eternal life. But there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who eat his flesh and drink his blood because I've been saved by the body and blood of Jesus. Christ, he is my hope. We need him for life. So this, this teaching, this hard saying is pressing against us and having us assess our lives going, is Jesus just a trend to me? Is Jesus just something I tack on to my life? Or is, is Jesus really all the calories of my soul? Is Jesus so central to your life that he, is the, that he is the food pyramid of your life? Do you remember how popular cake pops were? It's like everyone thought this was the dessert that came down from heaven for like six months. Stores were opening up, just selling cake pops. That was a bad idea. They're gone now. There's a trend. It's scrubbed from society. 2,000 years later, Jesus' name is still around. Still as popular as ever. Not going away. Even governments try to get rid of it around the world, and they cannot because he is not a trend. Jesus is telling all of us here today from this word, feast on my death. I don't know why you came here this morning, but the Lord brought you here this morning. And he wants you to hear you need to feast on the son of man's body and blood, believing that he died for your sins and rose again from the dead and you'll have eternal life. Have you? Have you eaten his flesh? Have you? chugged his blood. What is your view of Jesus? The crowd thinks he's just a good miracle worker, a good teacher, but now they're getting fed up with his good teaching. Look at verse 52. Do you remember what the crowd said? As they argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? In the Greek, there's a real tinge of rudeness here. How can this guy, how can this man give us his flesh? Give me a break. But look what Jesus says next. Jesus catches this. Verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, I am no mere man. I am the Son of Man, the divine Messiah, the Savior from heaven. Do not think of me as just some mere man. I'm the son of man. I am the God man, and I am here to save you. So unless you eat of the son of man's flesh and drink of the son of man's blood, you will not have eternal life. This is Christianity, friends. It's not our good works. It's not us trying to be a good people. It is eating and drinking. It is believing in the bloody death and resurrection of Jesus for you. So where are you? Where are you with these words of Christ? Look at verse 66. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back, no longer accompanied him. A lot of people turned away. Why? Jesus asked too much of them, they think. Jesus demanded too much. They wanted miracles. They didn't want him. They didn't want his flesh and blood. What do you want? What do you really want from Christ? Do you want his flesh and blood? Do you want the life he gives? His for your eternal life. And on another note, I just wonder, how come we aren't turning away? How come when you heard this read earlier, how come you didn't close your Bible and get up and leave like the crowd and turn away? When you hear me expound on this, how we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, how come you haven't thought, this is nuts? Do you know why? Verse 63, the spirit is the one who gives life. The Holy Spirit is the one who's made this palatable to your heart. The flesh doesn't help at all. Jesus says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. To be a Christian is to hear Jesus say, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And a Christian goes, Yes, that is what I need. I only need your skin broken for me. I only need your blood splattered for me. And that is the only way I can be saved. But if you're sitting here going, I don't know about any of this. Do you really believe? Have you really feasted on the son of man? As the crowd thins out, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples. Look at verse 67. Jesus turns to the 12 and says, I mean, you can get the picture in your mind. Backs turned, Mass of people leaving. I picture like a a basketball game when the home team's down by 30 and the crowd's clearing out. The crowd is thinning. Jesus turns to the 12 and says, you don't want to go away too, do you? Where are you guys going to go? Do y'all want to leave? Where are you at? Verse 68, Peter answers, Lord, to whom will we go? If you were pressured, do you really think Jesus is the way? What is your answer? Do you really think Jesus is your Savior? What is your answer? Peter says, Lord, to whom will we go? He calls him Lord. He doesn't call him man. He doesn't even call him teacher. He calls him Lord. My God, this is a Jewish man telling Jesus, You are God. Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. The things you just taught us, the things you just said about eating your flesh and drinking your blood, that is life. That is eternal life. Is Jesus your Lord? You should take this statement from Peter and run it through your heart, run it through your mind, your life, and go, Is that true of me? Would I join with what Peter is saying? Lord, and do you live in light of this truth? Jesus is my Lord. Do you follow Jesus like he is your Lord? or Are you like the crowd that walks away? Sure, you can follow him here on a Sunday morning, but what's Tuesday looking like? Or do you live like the crowd that turns away, not feasting, not eating the son of man's body and blood? Or are you like Peter and the twelve? Lord, where else would we go? I love that phrase, to whom will we go? Peter's admitting there's no other alternative. You have the words of eternal life. Where else could we go? What else could match you, Jesus? You're incomparable. There's no one better to save than you. Is that what you believe? Jesus, you're it. No other religion. No other teacher. No other way. No other path. It is you and you alone. To whom else could we go? And this is the testimony of every Christian. There's nowhere else for me to head. Just you, Lord. Just you. Christianity is the full devotion to Jesus and his body and blood. We've come, look what Peter closes with. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Son of God, Jesus. You are the Messiah. You are the one. Do you know this today? You are the Messiah. You are the Holy One of God. Is that how you live in response to that? To feast on Jesus' body and blood. Is that what you believe? Today can be the day. Today can be the day where you can cease having Jesus just be culturally acceptable and him being trendy to your life and him actually you eating and drinking his blood. Because Jesus says, I tell you, anyone, anyone who believes, there's no kind of profile that Jesus is looking for. A good suburban person, never did drugs, hasn't cheated on anyone, is is, honest in their job. There, There is no asterisk, no kind of profile of the person Jesus is looking for. Jesus says, anyone, anyone can come and feast on my body, feast on my blood, and you will get eternal life. All you must do is eat his skin and drink his blood. All you must do is believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again, and you'll have eternal life. And it's way better than pig's now. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what the world needs to hear from you. This is what your neighbors who are confused about Christianity need to hear from you. His bloody death and his resurrection from the dead. Anyone who believes, anyone who eats will live forever and he will raise us up on the last day. So let's eat and drink. Let's feast on Christ together now. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.